We have another short story for you with James Craven of Les Santeurs. And two cents. Starting with Le Bleu, a classic. From exactly a hundred years ago. A lot of you may have tried this or may have smelt it on your mothers, your grandmothers, your sisters. This is one of the great Guerlain classics. It has, I think, a very eerie history about it. It came out in 1912. Two years later, the, the Great War broke out. It seems an awful lot of people, people who wear it, people who love it, I may say, seem to say, a lot of people say this scent reduces them to tears. There's a, and it's not, it may be tears of nostalgia, but also it induces in a lot of people a slight weepiness, a melancholy. I know a lot of people who say they reserve this perfume for funerals. The Le Bleu in French is the blue hour. It's when the night meets the day, so it's the dusk hour. And it's the hour for love and romance and for drinks. But it's also the dying of the light, the dying of the day. And in the years after the Great War, Guerlain very much, I won't say encouraged, but they played on this idea that it was almost um, a prevision of the slaughter that was going to come upon Europe. It's, it's about lost love, lost memories, lost ideals. There is something slightly surgical about it. Do you, yeah, which probably comes from the cloves. There's also things like cherries, there's a gourmand note, there's a carnation note, but I think it's the clove carnation and other things that we've lost track of in a in hundred years. So there is this, I said to Odette, we, 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 we haven't, we weren't going to subject you to anything with formaldehyde, but I wanted something that suggested slightly surgical, slightly possibly metallic, you might think, something something of the scalpel and the knife about it. There it's been for 101 years this scent, continually in the shops, loved and known and recognized by generation after generation. The people, the women who first wore it and knew it are long since gone. All that emotion and intellect and flesh and blood and hair and relationships, long since gone, all a memory, but the perfume, you can still go into a shop and buy something not identical, but something that they would still recognise. And there's something, I think, very quite tingling about that, um, how inanimate objects keep going, and yet us complex human beings crumble, crumble and decay. This coming story is abbreviated from a short story by Elizabeth Bowen. It's subtle and written during World War II. It picks up on one of the often voiced theories about ghost stories, that they're misplaced sexual energy. That is, sexual frustration that is short-circuiting sexual obsession, mania. This is a story about a society woman who has taken a great attitudinizing and martyring of herself and has taken a war job. She's thrown herself with an enormous amount of lust and lasciviousness into a wartime love affair while her husband is away. And she comes back from the awful packing station where she's doing her war work every night to change and doll herself up to meet the illicit lover. And she comes back and things start to go subtly wrong. 
and listening to this, you're looking for the smell of hawthorn, the may blossom. Yes, it was funny she said about the ghost. It used to come into my bedroom when I was dressing for dinner, when I was dressing to go out. Well, when I come home from the station, the first thing I always do when I get in, I always used to go across and open my bedroom windows because it seemed to me that the room smelled of the char. So I always did that before I turned on my bath. The glare on the trees used to make me blink and the thick sort of throaty smell of the may came in. I was, never quite, I was never quite sure whether I liked it or not, but it somehow made me feel like after a drink. And I love that bit, the way she says, I opened the windows because I thought the room smelled of the char, of the cleaning woman. This terrible bit of sort of casual snobbery. And you begin to think, yes, she is the sort of woman who would have said that. This awful woman who comes in and leaves this smell behind her. But as you get into the story, you wonder if she is smelling the char at all, if she's not smelling the smell of death which is coming from the May and from the this malign force that then closes in on her. So she comes back night after night. Everything is disrupted. The bath water runs cold. Her clothes aren't where she had left them. And there's a wonderful metaphoric bit where she says the my hat, my pristine white hat with the crisp white veil. And you get all these symbols of marriage gone wrong, of virginity. She says the, the crisp white daisies on the flat didn't seem to be as fresh. There seemed to be smuts on them somehow. This gets worse and worse. She becomes thoroughly unnerved. And you never know whether, of course, it's her conscience getting the better of her, whether it's fear, or whether there is a thwarted spirit who is, as she says at the end of the story, who is jealous, who is jealous of my love, who is jealous of my life. My life crashed a bit, she says. Crashed was the word. And yet I see now, really, that things have been weakening for some time. At the time, I didn't see. Anymore, I noticed the way that the May was fading out in the square. And then one morning, the weather changed, and I noticed the May was brown. All the happiness stopped. But there again, at what particular moment, I'm never sure. I don't want to see London pink May in flower ever again. And you can make of that what you will. Now smell the Eau de Ivre from Frédéric Mal by Jean-Claude Elena. Molecular scientists, perfumers, have now discovered that not only has May blossom, hawthorn blossom, got very similar molecules in it to the first signs of decomposition in a human corpse. So within hours of death, you get very much the same sort of odour secreted. Isn't it strange then that our, well, I was going to say my ancestors, but certainly my mother was very, always said you must never bring May blossom into the house. You can see it foaming in the hedges and it looks gorgeous and it's that wonderful burst of spring, but never ever bring it in the house, it means death. It's strange that, that science, without science, somehow humankind detected this. It also, we are told in the laboratory, um, there's, a, there's a molecular resemblance to the smell of human sperm, of human semen. And so within this apparently innocent flower, you get literally birth and death. You get procreation and you get rot. Quite fresh, quite more innocent, innocent. And I don't know 
I don't know again how intentional that is by Jean-Claude Elena, whether whether he's taking at its face at its face value and giving us a delicate, sweet um, cologne, or whether it's an ironic twist on that. There's a certain amount of double think because he called it Cologne d'hiver, eau de cologne for the winter. And when this perfume was launched about 10 years ago, they were very keen to emphasize how odd that might strike people because people think with eau de cologne that's a summer scent. That's a fresh, crisp, green smell for summer. I am making, you might say something quite against nature. I'm making an eau de cologne for winter, said Eliana. And instead of bergamot and lime and citrus and mint, I'm putting honey and caramel and praline and vanilla and a little bit of carnation again. So you might get, you might get a cloviness, but overall it's a soft, sweet, a soft, sweet, apparently innocent scent. You, I mean, you can go on, you can go on endlessly once you once you've struck this particular scene, because you can think about the honey, you can think about the theft of the honey from the bees, the death of the bees. A lot of people love this scent, I find, because they can't tell what it's all about. They like if they want to wear a perfume that baffles the beholder, that intrigues their opposite number. A lot of people find it very difficult to say what is in there. And that, that puts off some people because they say, I do like it, but I can't tell what it is. Um, other people say, I like that air of mystery, that it's very difficult, again, in a rather phantom-like way, to pin down what exactly is going on in there. That was James Craven speaking about L'Eau d'Eva, L'Eau Bleu, and reading Pink May by Elizabeth Bowen.